0: Well, good morning. Good, morning. good morning. A bunch of you guys are like, "Who in the world is this?" <laughs> My name's Tyler Johnson. I am the lead pastor of Redemption Arizona. So you hear virtually every week that Redemption Church is multi-congregational—nine congregations throughout the state of Arizona, seven in metropolitan Phoenix, one in Flag and one in Tucson, and my job's to help lead, guide, and direct uh, all of our leaders on a collective mission uh, for our state, and who knows in the future how that'll continue to go on. So I, for months, have been scheduled to preach here, and as it so would happen, Luke is really sick today, as is South Trout um, today. So God set it up in such a way that they were able to get sick while I was going to be here. Um, <laughs> But on that note, I want to spend some time praying, and this will be, feel a little awkward to some of you. It shouldn't, because this is what the church does, is pray, and there are moments in the history of the church in different churches where there'd be a time called the prayers of the people. So here's what we're going to do. It's really easy. One sentence prayers. I'm going to take about 30 seconds to 60 seconds, and we're going to bring prayers to God. So these could be moments where we pray, God, would you just heal Luke and Seth? Or this could be a moment where you may be concerned with your family and say, Lord, I bring you my family or a specific name of somebody or a specific thing or situation. God, we bring you this. And the amazing part is God hears all of it. But it's another moment where we can cast our cares on God because he cares for us. Because a lot of times when we come to worship, there are all these things we're bound up with, and rightfully so, concerns that we have, troubles that are going on in our heart, that may really prevent us from hearing the word of God. Um, But the major thing I want you to know is God cares for us. Amen? And he wants us to pray this, and we want to be a praying people. So next 30 seconds to 60 seconds, one-second prayers. I'm going to ask you to say them out loud. You don't need to wait on each other. So just, it's going to be a bunch of people speaking in a room. If you're kind of more mellow and you go, I don't like to yell, then don't yell. Just say, Lord, I pray for, right? I'm on a mic, so it's even louder on my mic than it'll be now. So let's pray, and then I'll close this up. You can get a little louder. Allow people around you to hear because they might end up praying for you and you don't even know who they are. God, I pray by your spirit that you'd remind us right now that you know what we pray for before we even pray it, and yet, God, you want us to express it, to say to you that we need help, and we recognize that um, help has to come from outside of us. If we could have done it already, we would have done it, and yet we can't change people, we can't heal ourselves, Um, God, we can't provide the jobs that we want provided, God, we can't deal with the things we want changed in us and in those around us and in the world, but God, we trust you. Uh, You hold the whole world in your hands. God, you hold those we love. Uh, You hold our future. Uh, God, we can plan our ways, but you're the one who directs the steps. Uh, So God, give us that faith and trust. We do pray right now for all who are in this room who are sick and those who aren't in this room who couldn't even make it today. And God, we ask Uh, because you tell us to ask and to bring before you what we want. We pray you'd heal them. Pray that you'd speak to them and you'd abide and be with them. God, we pray for those who are jobless in this room or who love those who are jobless that you'd provide jobs. God, we pray for those who don't know um, hope and we pray that you would give them hope in Jesus. We pray for those who are dealing with debilitating anxiety and depression right now that you would come over them and be with them. God, we pray for all of us who are longing for a word that, God, you would speak to us today. God, there are those in this room who aren't sure if they believe, and um, God, give them belief. And for those of us who do believe but want to be helped in our unbelief, God, would you help us today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Sunday is your 10-year anniversary. That's a big, big deal, amen? That is a big deal. You can give a hand. Now, for tons of you in this room, that means very little because you feel like you're pretty new to the church, but that's a big deal. A 10th birthday of a church is a big deal. My job this morning is to help us think through and help you think through the next 10 years. That what could it be for the next 10 years? Luke, uh, Luke Simmons, the pastor of this church, has been saying to you all a lot that we want to be, Redemption Gateway wants to be the best friend our community has Have you heard that? We want to be the best friend our community has. That led me to start thinking as I received this email from Redemption Gateway and read Luke say, hey, this past Sunday, which was December 9th that this email went out, he said, last Sunday I preached this message where I said, we want to be the best friend our community has. And I thought to myself, well, what's a friend? What's a really good friend? What is a best friend? And I remember these adages or these statements of a friend is one who sticks closer than a brother, or in the Proverbs, faithful is the wounds of a friend, that a friend's willing to stick with you and say hard things when they know it will ultimately help you. The Bible's clear that a friend's one who weeps with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And at the end, I thought, a friend is one who sets the other up to win, And that made me think about sports because I love sports and it made me think about this guy. Anybody know who this guy that's going to be on the screen is? Who is that? Steve Nash, right? Oh, for the days of the Phoenix Suns. The Steve Nash days, right? Well, he's like the assist leader. There may be John Stockton and a few others, but we're in Phoenix so we're going to stand our ground and say the best assist leader of all time is Steve Nash. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to visualize this picture and understand this. What's biblically true about each of us as Christians, because it's true about Jesus, is true about the local church, we are to be assist leaders. We are inside the church to set each other up to win. We as a collective body are to set Gilbert and Mesa in Queen Creek up to win. They don't exist for us, we exist for them. This is why Jesus said it's better to give, right? So an assist leader is a great giver, They dish the rock, they say, right? Pass. We set them up for the win. It's better to give than it is to receive. You will be happier in giving than you will be in receiving. The Christ whom we follow at cost to himself gave to set the world up to win. That was the Christmas Eve service based upon John 3.16. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, consider the needs of others as more significant than your own. The image of a best friend is an image of an assist leader. I've heard a lot about the local church in my life. I didn't grow up in the church. So when I came to faith in Christ, not long after, I heard people start talking about church is really important. And all I thought that meant was go to a church on Sunday. Church for me was this. It was a worship service. Now let me say this just shortly. Church is never less than the collective gathering of the people of God in a specific location, but it is more. It's never less, but it is more. And I didn't even go to the same place until I had somebody say, no, a local church is really about a body. And then I heard a lot of people start saying, the local church is important, why? Because the Bible says so, period, dot, the end. But nobody ever stopped and said, let me walk you through why the local church is important. Why is one of the most powerful questions you can ask all the time. There's a man right now that has a very famous TED Talk, and he's a leadership guru. His name's Simon Sinek. Here he is doing a seminar where he's speaking about this concept, start with why. And he's speaking to business leaders, but it applies to parents of families. It applies to individuals who plan for 2019. And he says, many people, if you look at the concentric circles, start with what they do, and then they'll talk about how they do it, but they miss the center core, why? Why? The point of today is to tell you the why of the local church, to stir inside you, man, this is way more amazing than it actually feels like it is. There's three things. The local church is central, the local church is strategic, and the local church is worth it. The local church is central. Central means it's foundational, it's fundamental, it's core to where the history of the world is going. I did just say that which means it's more than meets the eye. It's like Transformers, right? Transformers more than meets the eye. And this (laughs) truck transforms into this large robot that's buff. I didn't even know robots could be buff, but these robots are buff. Just recently, I traveled... With my kids, three of my kids, Uh, my other daughter was doing gymnastics, which by the way, if your daughter's thinking about gymnastics and she's not in it yet, don't let her do it because it will kill your pocketbook and your calendar. It's crazy. (laughs) So just so you know, so I'm sitting and three of my kids are sitting in one row. I'm sitting on the aisle after and I get off the plane and my kids' eyes are super big and they're like, do you know who you were just sitting by? I'm like, I don't know. I was sitting next to like a 16-year-old girl that kept eating snacks all the time. I don't know who that was. And they're like, Dad, do you know who Sophia... I'm literally looking this up. This will tell you if I know, right? I had to, re- to even remember the name right now. Do you know who Sophia Wiley is? How many of you guys know, in here know who Sophia Wiley is? Raise your hand I, because you're going to be young. Disney Channel, there's a show called Andy Mack. I know you all watch it. Be honest. Raise your hands. I know nobody watches it. They're like, that was Sophia Wiley. Then the other two are like, no, it wasn't. It was her sister. And sure enough, it was. They pulled up a picture. I'm like, that is her. But to me... All it was is a girl that was 16 years old eating snacks, very articulate. I started asking her what she was doing. She was going on a recruiting trip to Air Force Academy for swimming. And they're like, her sister's an Andy Mack. And I'm like, I don't even know what Andy Mack is. And you don't want to know what's better? I don't care. (laughs) Right? But perception was deeper, reality was deeper than my perception. And I want to submit to you this the reality of the local church, what you came into this morning, is way deeper, far more beautiful than you could ever imagine. It's central to what God's done. It's always been true in the Bible. The people of God have always been God's plan A. As one author says, the local church is plan A and there is no plan B. We are it. Now, if you're honest, you sit there and go, if you've been around the church much, you're like, if we're it, the world has serious problems, right? But thank God it's based upon his power and our naturalness, our weakness. Why Paul says we'll rejoice all the more in our weaknesses because in our weakness, he's made strong, right? He's made strong through our weaknesses because he puts himself on display. But what can't be questioned in the Bible and what is absolutely amazing is that God chooses, the Bible says, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So it isn't this moment where we go, man, if we're called to that, we better pull up our bootstraps and act like we're better than we really are. Put on plastic faces, plastic smiles, act like we're something we're not. It's like, no, just be honest, and depend upon God. But don't forget, listen to me, don't forget the church is central. So central. Because we would say, if we sit here, we're Christians, right? You better say this. We would say Christ is central, would we not? Do you know that those who come to Christ by faith, when they're gathered together, are called the body of Christ? So is God active in the world today? He is. How is a body active by hands and feet, of which we collectively make up the body of Christ. We are, folks. Redemption Gateway is not the body of Christ collectively. There's a whole church in this metropolitan city, but we are a part of the collective body of Christ, which is central to where God is taking all of human history. Central, fundamental, foundational to what God is doing. So now we have to step back and go, well, give me more of the why. What is God ultimately doing? The church is central, but it's also strategic. The church is strategic. Now, some of you may sit in here and go, I don't find myself particularly strategic. Now, some of you, if you're younger in here, you may not even know what the word means, but it it just means intentional, which you may not know that word either. It means planned. Planned that you're looking at a goal and desiring a goal and you're strategically planning out how it will happen. So New Year's resolutions are strategic resolutions. The question is, is if you actually do them. Or I saw a woman on social media the other day talk about her daughter who said she had goals for 2019 and the mom rightfully said, which is based on research, you will accomplish more goals if you, anybody know? Write them down. So she takes a picture of her daughter writing them down, and then I wanted to write back. And now the big question is, will you do what you wrote down? Right, but that's strategic. Right now, we're in the end of college bowl season. Clemson plays Alabama, boring, tomorrow night, right? (laughs) Like, same thing over and over and over, but these coaches have been very strategic, and you'll see trick plays today in the NFL playoffs. You will see strategic design, so much so that there are guys on the sidelines holding up these really weird signs and quarterbacks who have plays listed on their wristband and they gather in huddles because they're trying to be strategic. Now, those are some of the best leaders in our world. Do we think for a minute that God is less strategic than they? They're made in the image of God, who's the greatest strategist of all time. So everybody that's in business, that studies strategic operations, what they call stratops, ops, God is the ultimate strategist. And his primary plan is the church. The Apostle Paul says this in a book that we just read in the book of Ephesians. I screwed up the people in the back, so they're going to have to go back to this. But in Ephesians chapter 3, this passage says this. Of this gospel, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I want you to see the language, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then he says, and to bring to light for everyone, not some, to everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that, listen to this, say it with me, what's highlighted, say it with me. So that through the church, Big language again, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And he goes on, this was according to the eternal purpose, eternal purpose, manifold wisdom of God, unsearchable riches of Christ, eternal purpose that has been realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you, don't lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory, unsearchable riches of Christ, manifold wisdom of God, the eternal purpose that was planned before time would be manifested through the church. There's a pastor just outside of Washington, D.C., and he says this, if you're a Christian and you're not a part of a church, that's like saying you're married but don't have a spouse. The only way the church can manifest the unsearchable riches of Christ, can unfold the manifold wisdom of God, can declare the eternal purpose of the God who made the world, is to gather together in a location and be humans, naturally together, depending upon God, seeking to live out the calling of God in our lives, in our personal lives, in our family, in our professions, and in our... Wider callings that we live it out together in such a way that people go, You're willing to suffer to love other people, you're willing to pursue being better because you believe there's a God. When things are dark, you have hope. And first Peter says, Always be prepared to give an account for the hope that lies within you. The church is universal. It's timeless. It has no geographic boundaries, but the church has to be seen, which means it has to gather in locations. The world needs to see it, but here's the thing, we need it. We are called ambassadors of Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul speaks about us in this way. All of this is from God, who through Christ, reconciling to us us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, which is sins, against them, and entrusting to who? Entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal God makes his appeal through who? Okay. You better get a little louder on this one. God makes his appeal to the world through who? Us. 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 Right? And you're going like, I thought we were in the section on this is strategic. That doesn't seem strategic. Like, don't pick the foolish things of the world. Don't pick me, right? We feel like Moses. You're calling me? I can't even talk. Like, I can barely walk. You're calling me. God makes his appeal through us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The local church is strategic. I'm gonna show you this, and we could do it much longer, but right now, in three ways. The local church has a crisis-oriented ministry. When we go through these three things, I want you to think, start with how much the world needs to be cared for in the midst of their crisis. But here's the other side of that coin. Don't ever forget how much you need to be cared for in the midst of your crisis. There are all kinds of people in this room right now. There's much in my own life that's chaos and it's crisis. There are people in this room that struggle with debilitating anxiety and the darkest of depression. The church has to be here For us, this is who we are in the midst of that. There are people in this room that have experienced deep, deep loss very recently or it may be seven, eight, 18 years ago, but it feels like it was yesterday and you're still in the midst of grief. The church is there to care for you in grief. There are people in this room that are in very troubled marriages and very troubled families. The church develops ministries for that. There are folks who have family or they themselves are struggling with addiction. So we have ministries, right? Like Exodus. There are people in the midst of loss that we bring meals to. There are communities that meet called redemption communities every single week to care for you and to ensure that you have community in the midst of your chaos and in the midst of your crisis. Folks, I don't know if you know this, but even outside the church, there's scientific research being done over and over and over again about the deepest crises whether they be mental health crises or addiction crises. And one of them is on a TED Talk in which this man speaks about the opposite of addiction is connection. He makes an argument that fundamentally addiction isn't, and I'm, I'm not making this argument, I'm not an expert, but he does. And he says, addiction fundamentally isn't about chemical dependency, it's about a lack of loving connection. I sat with a doctor the other day. My neck's been killing me, and I'm sitting there moving my neck around, right? And he goes, if your neck's ever really hurting, put a towel around your neck. So he put a towel around my neck, and everything in me relaxed. And he goes, that's the power of touch. We need communities when we're in the midst of chaos, when we're in the midst of crisis, that we'll lay our hands on our shoulders or on our neck and pray. And we know there are people there, friends, that stick closer than brothers. Crisis ministry is so powerful and it's so desperately needed. In Redemption Gateway, we have to be that to one another and to the community that we're in. And we love crisis-oriented ministries because we can count them. How many marriages came to us that were in crisis this year that are now stabilized and doing well? We can provide numbers to it. How many people went through Exodus that were struggling with whatever and they went through it? We can put numbers to it. How many foster children did our church take in? And how many families did we support? We can put numbers to it and we should because numbers are people and people matter to God. But the next one gets overlooked. The next part of the strategic ministry of the local church gets overlooked for a lot of different reasons. Because it's presumed upon and because it can't be counted. And it's the preventative ministry of the local church. Here's what I mean by preventative. How many people that are in the midst of local church life never contemplate divorce because they go, listen, I'm supposed to go through hard times. Now, I'm not even making an argument right now for what's biblical divorce and what's not biblical divorce. God sides with the oppressed, I believe that, but there is a power when you go, we are working through this, to the last level because the door's closed and we've got to work this out together how many of these marriages stay together because in the local church we've been taught that all of life is repentance that i'm willing to sit with my kids when i've blown up on them and struggled and through snot bubble tears go your dad screwed up and they just want me to stop crying they're like dad it really isn't that big of a deal it's not and go no it is a big deal that's wrong Right, and, and I can have the security to do that because I know Christ has died for my sin, and life comes on the other side of repentance. How many moments when I screw up with my wife? Because I've been taught the truth of the gospel, I can sit down with her and not feel like I have to defend myself, but I can say, I screwed up. Even if in the end I think she screwed up more, I know God said, my job's not to focus on her more, it's to focus on mine. That's the power of being under the teaching of the word of God, of having people say to you, how many times should I forgive? Jesus says 70 times seven, right? That's the power, the preventative nature. How many students do we have that never fall into addiction because they've been in the life and body and ministry of our student ministry at Redemption Gateway? How many people in this congregation never get DUIs because they've been in the midst of it? It doesn't mean life's easy for those who are in the midst of the local church. Can I get an amen? Life's never easy. But the sense of we begin to go the way God says to live is better. And we try to do it. It doesn't mean we accomplish it, right? By his power, we do it. But it prevents a lot of chaos. And the book of Hebrews has two passages. One, that relates to preventative ministry in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. And it says this, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin now if you didn't know this sin lies that's what deceit means the devil is a liar right sin lies sin overpromises and underdelivers doesn't mean sin doesn't have some fun elements to it. The book of Hebrews itself says that Moses forsook the passing pleasures of sin. There's some pleasure in sin. Can I get an amen? Ooh, don't say it. That's that right? <laughs> there is some pleasure in sin, but it's a passing pleasure. It doesn't just over-promise and under-deliver. Listen to me. It doesn't just over-promise and under-deliver. It counter-delivers. It gives us the opposite of what it promised to give us. The opposite. It doesn't give you happiness. The one you're made by and for gives you abundant life. Sin doesn't. But sin is deceitful. It's promising. So we need to gather together every day lest we be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Church, do you understand this? Every little compromise you make, this doesn't matter, this doesn't matter, this doesn't matter. All of a sudden you're months down the road and you're doing things you never thought feasible. We need people in our lives who go, that's not the way. That's not truth. And then who stand up strong and go, that's not life. It's lying to you. You want life, that's not life. Jesus is the way, Jesus is truth, Jesus is life. And that's exactly what we say to the world because hardness of sin is happening in our world and in our neighbors all the time. Who destroys sin? Luke doesn't teach you very good if you can't answer this one. Who destroys sin? Jesus, he teaches you great. He says it every single week. Christ destroys sin. There's preventative ministry in the life of the church. The last one is this promotional ministry. Now look at those three together. Ministry to people in crisis, preventative ministry, but now promotional ministry. It's not just us getting through and not sinning. It's about living the abundant life before the eyes of all of those we live life around. So we work heartily as unto the Lord, not for men, because we know it's the Lord Christ we serve. And when we do, Work hardly is unto the Lord. We're disciplined, we're strategic, we're calculated, we're patient, but we pursue being the best for the glory of God that serves people in ways nobody else does. When people go to a job or go to school seeking to serve themselves, at best, they serve themselves. If you go to your job, Whatever that job may be, you go to school, wherever that school may be, and you seek to serve others, you serve them and in turn, serve yourself. Because it's better to give than it is to receive. because God oriented us to be assist leaders. God made us as human beings to be friends. So we want to do the best work, not in competition to another privilege, but in as an offering to God. So whether you're an architect or whether you're a coach, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a contractor, whether you're in real estate or you're in the stock market or you drive a truck for UPS, we are promoting you all the time, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And when we do it for the glory of God, we do it for the benefit of the world. The local church is strategic. And here's what I want to say at the end of this. The local church is worth it. Luke, when he sent this email, here's what he said. He said, happy Monday. In yesterday's sermon, I shared that our vision is to become the best friend our community has. And then he said this, moving into the next 10 years, this amazing property just to the west of you. He said, we're calling our people All of us are being called to come. Coming to the local church is worth it because the local church is central and because it's strategic. He then says, we've got to go. We're ambassadors for Christ. We've got to go to these places. And think how strategic God is. He set it up to where we didn't have to go, well, we need to get somebody there. We need to get somebody there. We need to get somebody there. Sheerly by the situation you're in and how God has wired you, you all scatter throughout this community and beyond, and we don't have to think a thing about it. It's just the way God wired you and the situation he's put you in right now. So some of you are working in jobs that you don't feel like is according to your wiring, and you need to remember, Acts 17, God has appointed the boundaries and the times in which we live so that people might seek and find God. That's how strategic God is. I mean, I sit there and go, thank God. I don't have to think about how to strategically place everybody in this thing. He's already done it. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's the going, and it's worth it. Inviting. Inviting people into a ministry that's crisis-oriented, preventative, and promotional. It's worth it. Serving. Folks, it's worth serving and giving to the local church because of what the local church is. Does that mean Redemption Church in any of its congregations is perfect? Does that mean Redemption Gateway is perfect? Absolutely not. But it does mean it is worth it. People get ministered to here, in here, and through this place all the time. It is worth coming. It's worth going. It's worth inviting. It's worth serving. It's worth giving. The local church is not like going to McDonald's and saying, you know, I really want a Big Mac, but I should eat a salad. So many of us go, I know I should go to church. I know I should be a part of it. You need a paradigm shift, perspective. We sang a song, when the spirit of God comes in, when you do only what you can do, it changes how we see. Folks, the local church is beautiful. It's brilliant in the midst of all of our stuff, in all of our sin, in the midst of the truth that the church has hurt many of you deeper than you can express. In the reality that the church doesn't always live up to its calling, In the reality that church most of the time feels unbelievably mundane, the same thing, another Sunday, another week, it is tremendously powerful in the midst of all of its sin. Because Christ is the head of the church, and as we follow him, we repent of our sin. As we follow him in his truth, we go, we've been off course here. Why? Because he's the way. He's the truth, and he's the life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would change the way we see the church. God, that it would inspire us, but God, it would also commit us to do these five things that Luke has called us to do, and the leaders of this church are calling all of us, and hopefully, Lord, we would call each other to come. We'd call each other to go to serve, to give, and to invite. God, we love you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.